couple of big key things coming across in the debate this past week, including intelligence oversight in FISA courts. Uh, Donald Trump tweeting out something baffling, which shouldn't be a surprise anymore. And some heavy focus came on DACA and immigration. Also, the Democrats may have found their 2020 candidate. We're going to talk about why celebrity politics shouldn't be a thing anymore. Plus, we have the Eagles uh, playoffs tomorrow and what it feels like to get shocked with a stun cuff. All this and more is coming up. Friday, January 12th, 2018. Guys, welcome to this week's edition of the FritzCast. And that's right, you are going to hear a first-hand account of what it feels like to get shocked with a stun cuff. And by all means, let's knock that one out of the way right now, uh, because the experience was just so fun, and I so don't want to relive it. Uh, basically, in in the department, I am I am one of the lead field training guys. So I do a lot of training development, uh, implementing my own stuff for our, our building and our policies and our SOPs and all that. And um, we, we also have in-house training on certain, you know, toys that we have. And I, I call them toys. It's sick and sadistic to call them toys. But what they really are is they're tools that we have. And we have a use of force continuum. And if anybody knows the use of force continuum, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know the use of force continuum, you can probably Google it and find the model that most departments use. Uh, it's it's very basic. There is, you know, compliant with verbal orders, you know. Somebody who, you, you say do this and they do it, right? I, it's probably what they pull up every time there's a police shooting involved and somebody's not doing what, what they're doing. I mean, there is some scrutiny with almost every case that we can we can go over, but I don't really feel like doing that. Not right now, at least, anyway. So we have compliant guys. We have resistors, which is we have not non-moving resistors, which means that you give them verbal orders, they're just not they're just not listening to you. They're just staying where they're at. Uh, and then we have moving resistors. That's they're avoid they're moving to avoid contact with you, or moving to avoid contact with what you're telling them to do, which puts them at a high level you know, active moving resistor. And then we have the assailant category where their actions are aggressively offensive and then their actions are offensively aggressive uh, with weapons and could potentially cause a major severe injury, possible death. You know, that's how it goes. It's a continuum. So it goes from the lowest all the way up to the highest. And the continuum shows you what force you're allowed to use where. Now, I'm not allowed to dive into a lot of details or anything like that, but we have this little stun cuff box. Okay, it's a black box. They can strap it to your leg or to your arm. And when I say leg, they can strap it like right to where your Achilles tendon is or on your forearm. We can strap this box down to you and pretty much it sends 50,000 volts uh, 
through wherever it's strapped to, and it sucks. It really, really sucks. It is... Okay, so I'm an instructor on this. It's not required that people take the shock. I can't force somebody to take the shock, which is weird because pepper spray, you are forced to get um, to experience it. Why not the stun cuff? I don't know. But because I'm an instructor, it was highly encouraged that I take this shock. Well, when I got certified on it, I saw it go off. Uh, I saw some people take it. And I was like, you know what? I'm good. I've seen the effects of it. I know what it's going to do. I'm never going to abuse this crap. I'm never going to just put somebody through this for S and Gs. Uh, This is a serious tool. Somebody who is assaultive and combative, yeah, they're going to eat that. I'm not going to have second thoughts about it. But I'm not just going to easily threaten somebody with it, and I'm not going to fool around with it and give somebody a shock that doesn't deserve a shock. It's not me anyway. It's against my character. Anyway, I got ragged on for not taking it, though, and that's what happens. Like When, when we go to train this, everybody sees it, and then somebody usually steps up and is like, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, let me feel what this is like. Um, so because of that, and because, you know, other people were doing it, I was like, you know what? I can't be an instructor and stand up and talk about this box and not actually get shocked with it. So, long story short, Sunday, they strapped it on my leg. They set it off, and it was five seconds of hell. I, I hated it. I hated every millisecond of that five seconds. My leg locked up. Uh... I couldn't move it. I couldn't focus on anything other than the crackling box that was attached to my ankle. And I you know, I came to terms very quickly with it that if somebody were to strap this box on my leg, that I would just I would do what you say, pretty much. Um I'd rather take that than get sprayed in the face again because the spray lasts longer. Uh this thing is literally five seconds of pain. Of your muscles locking up and you not really like if you're walking you're dropping if it's on your arm you can probably still walk but you can't do anything with that arm while it's while it's crackling and I, I just I came to terms with the fact that it, it's easy to take once you want like I know what it is now you strap it on me and, I, and it goes off again I know what to expect I probably won't cuss as much as I did uh, because I did cuss a lot but I would take that any day over the week over getting sprayed and having to sit there for 15 or 20 minutes as my face burns off. So there's that. That That's all I want to talk about the stunk of. That's it. That, that I don't really want to dive into anything else. It, it, it at, Thank God it was done towards the end of my shift too because if it was done at the beginning of my shift, I would have been like, you know what, I'm, I'm going home. I don't need to be here today. I got 700 hours of sick time that I can start burning up. Forget it. But, you know, this this reiterates, while I'm teaching it and teaching people about it, they are fascinated by the technology, and it does open their eyes. And But the thing that gets, the thing that truly that I take away from it is the fact that since I'm a trainer, I have to know things better than the average. So it comes to things like that use of force model, like when... Are you permitted to use force? And when is it practical to use force? When is it impractical to use force? And where to go on the spectrum? 
in my six-year career now, near six-year career in the Department of Corrections, my use of force has been minimal, and it's mostly been used in combative guys breaking up fights amongst themselves. That, and that's typically, typically that's what it is. They fight all the time, all right? I mean, it, it literally is like kids in a daycare sometimes where the, the arguments are so petty. But at the same token, sometimes it's, it's what can you expect. Sometimes you're dealing with guys that were shoplifting or petty, thie- or petty thieves. And then you have your guys with such high-profile charges or certain, you know, special charges like those against older folks or younger folks. They typically don't fall in the favor of the general prison population. So they cause a plethora of issues as well. It's just part of what's messed up about the criminal justice system in America. Working in the system myself, I see a lot of the issues. And that's part of working this job for the past six years is part of what pushed me towards a more libertarian stance of, you know, like drugs. All right. We talk about drugs all the time. You know, what, what, what can we do about the opioid crisis? Do we, do we let the state set up safe injection sites? So that people aren't in harm and can shoot up and get their high. Something that I think is dumb, personally. But it's also dumb to just lock them up and say, throwing them in jail, that'll teach them that drugs will ruin their life. If we have a public health issue over drugs, And these people are nonviolent types, and the only reason that they're criminals is the fact that they're doing drugs. That's not really a criminal in my book. That's somebody who may need help. And if that person wants help, all right, if somebody who's addicted to heroin, for example, needs help, I don't think a safe injection site provided by the state, funded by the taxpayer, is a good idea. Because it's not going to help them kick a drug habit. It's just going to keep them healthy while they do their drug. Alright? And I could care less if you're doing the drug or not. But if you are addicted to heroin and you want to get off heroin, we need something better for rehabilitation for you. And just locking you up and throwing you in prison isn't going to help you a bit. That's what I believe. I believe that at at my job I should be dealing with you know, the worst of the crimes. And drugs isn't always the worst of the crimes, all right? Uh, offenses against children, that's pretty That's pretty cut and dry. I think even libertarian people arguing about it can't really say, like, they don't believe in some type of an idea of imprisonment for people who commit heinous crimes on that scale. Same thing with your murder, your rape, uh, your strong-armed robbery. These are crimes that are against people or their or other people's stuff. And yes, I believe you can commit a crime against somebody's property. Because I believe in property rights. Oh my god. So, either way, you can be pretty diehard libertarian. I don't think you can remove imprisonment out of the picture entirely. But that's just one way that working in the system has opened my eyes and and showed me, like, you know, the system's very flawed. Very 
flawed. Over the course of the past week, we finally warmed up a bit. We finally, Delaware finally got got in real and got out of the single digits in the low, you know, 20s and the low 30s and we've had actually some mild weather and so that's been nice. It's been that's been a nice change of pace. Despite the fact that I don't really mind the cold, I really don't. And of course, if you listen to our president, uh thank, you know, all this cold, thank God we didn't invest millions because all this cold, we would have wasted all those millions of dollars because global warming is a hoax. Duh. You know, but you know, but speaking of POTUS, speaking of, you know, Donald Trump, there was something that came up yesterday. Broke on the news. Uh, and the news is, is saying, quote, one of the sources briefed on the Thursday Oval Office meeting with lawmakers confirmed that Trump had at the table out loud said this statement, quote, why do we want all these people from shithole countries coming here? And, oh, my God. Shithole countries. Shithole countries. I, like, I, I'm sorry if you're, if you're not into cussing and you don't want to hear curse words and all that, but these are the, the, that is verbatim what they said, Donald Trump said, that he has said, shithole countries. Now, mind you, the first thing that would come to my mind is that if you think a country is a shithole, wouldn't that in and of itself kind of explain why people would want to, I don't know, migrate away from it? That that might be part of the key. Like, the whole thing is that you can't have this both ways attitude where you sit here and you thump your thumb on the table and talk about, you know, America is the greatest country on the face of the earth, by the way. We don't want anybody else to come here. Uh, screw them. They were born in other countries. Life sucks. Get over it. You live in a shithole. You're a shithole person. That is probably the most off-putting thing about Donald Trump's alleged comment to me. Is the fact that not only did you say that they were shithole countries, but you've pretty much equated the people to being shitholes themselves. I mean... That's what that, that that is how that line. Why do all these people from shithole countries want to come here? Might as well have said, why do all these why do all these shithole people from shithole countries want to come here to the greatest place on earth? That's why I want to look at uh, one of the responses from uh, GOP representative Mia Love out of Utah who stated, quote, the president comments are unkind, divisive, elitist, and fly in the face of our nation's values. This behavior is unacceptable from the leader of our nation. My parents came from one of those countries, but proudly took an oath of allegiance to the United States and took on the responsibilities of everything that being a citizen comes with. They never took a thing from our federal government. They worked hard, paid taxes, and rose from nothing to take care of and provide opportunities for their children. They taught their children to do the same thing. That's the American dream. The president must apologize to both the American people and the nations he so wantonly maligned. End quote. And why not? I mean, why not? You're talking about a guy who 
more or less, gets into a PP contest with a, a, a pretty detestable leader in a country that is dilapidated and its people are more or less slaves to their insane leader. North Korea, I'm talking about, if you can't put two and two together. So the fact that he gets into these Johnson measuring contests and then stoops to level of calling people who want to immigrate here more or less shitty people. This is the leader of the free world. Like, these are things that... And maybe it has been going on forever. Maybe it's just the fact that technology today and social media and the fact that we can get this information so fast and pass it around to everybody so it's all common knowledge. Maybe other presidents have been pretty bad presidents. I don't know. But it just seems like this doesn't jive well at all. Doesn't jive well at all. And that has brought into the debate uh, immigration itself. Uh, just immigration itself. DACA, the Dreamers, you know, all, all this all this stuff. And, and you know what? Immigration, no doubt there needs to be some reform going on with immigration. But not in the ways of, of a border wall, which, by the way, everybody who was so behind the MAGA train for building a wall across the Mexican border. If you haven't realized that's not happening yet and how much he's backed down from it and how much he's counterstated his statements from running during his presidency. And if you're now starting to justify everything that he's saying about it too, you're just you're just a fool. You are just a blind devoted fool. More or less. And just this morning Donald Trump on his personal Twitter account goes into a tirade of tweets about DACA, other countries doing badly, how people want this DACA deal to force bad deal, bad deals on America uh, and take away money from the military. And, and He's going the route of, but safety and security, safety and security, which, guys, do, do, how many times do we have to go back to the Benjamin Franklin quote. Be careful, Mr. Dickinson. Those who give up some of their liberty in order to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Now, I'm sure there's people out there who are going to say, this is a different day and age. Well, I don't care. The underlying principle remains the same. If you believe that somehow the government is going to keep you safe, this is this is... This is a big fallacy in the GOP Republican mindset, if you ask me. The big fallacy in conservative politics where the government should be limited. However, the government will keep us safe. No. (laughs) No. No. You don't give up essential liberties in the name of temporary safety. At all. At the end of the day, yes, one of the biggest jobs of the government is to keep us safe from enemies, foreign and domestic. But with all the other things that the government is doing right now, has that priority been lost? 
Maybe it has. But does that justify the president of the free world in a meeting talking about people who would want to immigrate to this country? People like the family of Representative Mia Love who want to come here, who want to get a job, who don't want government assistance. They want to come here. They want to get a job. They want to work hard. They want to earn their place in the world. Yes, they're probably leaving their countries because they're shithole countries. Maybe. But how does that statement not in and of itself put the thought in your mind of why people want to leave in the first place? Just truly baffles my mind. Now, in terms of immigration, I don't see why people don't take more of something Milton Friedman said in mind. Listen to this. Why is it that free immigration was a good thing before 1914 and free immigration is a bad thing today? Well, there's a sense in which that answer is right. There's a sense in which free immigration, in the same sense as we had it before 1914, is not possible today. Why not? Because it is one thing to have free immigration to jobs. It is another thing to have free immigration to welfare. And you cannot have both. If you have a welfare state, if you have a state in which every, every resident is, is promised certain minimum level of income or a minimum level of subsistence, regardless of whether he works or not, produces it or not, well, then it really is an impossible thing. If you have free immigration in the way in which we had it before 1914, everybody benefited. The people who were here benefited. The people who came benefited because nobody would come unless he or his family thought he would do better here than he would elsewhere. And the new immigrants provided additional resources, provided additional possibilities for the people already here, so everybody could mutually benefit. But on the other hand, if you come under circumstances where each person is entitled to a prorated share of the pot, to take the extreme example, or even to a low level of the pot, then the effect of that situation <coughs> is that free immigration would mean a uh, reduction of everybody to the same uniform level. Now, I really wish the place where I got that clip didn't jazz it up with stupid background music, but exactly that might be a problem with current immigration laws. And that might be a current problem with a lot of different laws going on right now in the United States. Like, how do you turn people who are capable into hardworking Americans that want to be a part of the system, of how it works. But, you know, speaking of broken laws, man, I am segueing great today. I don't know why, but since we're talking about, you know, uh, flawed law, why don't we talk about what they were overseeing just the other day with a vote. Uh, it was the House Oversight Committee, and including FISA courts and surveillance. The bill in question is to reauthorize 
the government's surveillance authorities under Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. That's FISA, by the way. And it passed in the House with bipartisan support of 256 votes to 164 votes. It should be noted that uh, this is a six-year renewal and Section 702 allows intelligence agencies to collect the communication of foreign nationals overseas for national security purposes. Supporters of this, and this is, by the way, according to my Countable app. Countable, by the way, sidebar, is a great app that shows you exactly what's going on, exactly what the Senate's voting for, gives you some details, and then you can actually voice your opinion as well as read other people's opinions. All right, supporters say that it's a critical tool in the government's effort to keep the homeland safe from terrorism, pointing to its use in thwarting a 2009 plot to bomb the New York City subway system and removing a senior ISIS leader from the battlefield. Critics have expressed concern that it lacks safeguards for protecting the personal information of U.S. citizens whose communications are incidentally collected as a warrant currently isn't required unless the sole purpose of the surveillance is collecting an American's communications. We tried to fight this. Libertarian-ish type of people tried to fight this. In fact, Representative Justin Amash, Republican from Michigan, and Zoe Lofgren, Democrat from California, offered the text of the USA Rights Act a shorter four-year reauthorization that would require a warrant before querying the 702 database for Americans' information and as an amendment, that was rejected 189 to 227. Now that it's going to the Senate floor, we have the authors of the USA Rights Act, Senator Ron Wyden, from Democrat from Oregon, and Rand Paul, Republican from Kentucky, our friend Rand Paul, have indicated they'll oppose the House bill with a filibuster in the Senate. And Rand Paul, again, the, the voices of reason in my book, Here's Rand Paul on this. Hi, this is Senator Rand Paul with an update from Washington. The federal government's greatest responsibility is keeping America safe and secure. Through the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, also known as FISA, we allow our government to spy on foreign threats. As our spy agencies gather up information on foreign targets, they also gather up information on millions of innocent Americans. This information is gathered without constitutional protections. We acknowledge foreigners in foreign lands are not protected by the Fourth Amendment, but Americans should always be afforded the guarantees of the Constitution. This week, the House is expected to review this spy program. I will fight to make sure that no information is gathered on Americans without Fourth Amendment protections, and that no information gathered on foreigners is then used against Americans in domestic courts. I will do whatever it takes, including filibuster, to prevent any reauthorization of this program without new constitutional controls. Our founders gave us the Fourth Amendment to prevent a tyrannical government from invading our privacy, and we are fools to relinquish this hard-won right because of fear. Madison wrote that the chains of the Constitution are necessary because men are not angels. Ultimately, this debate focuses on a truth that many seem to have forgotten. The founders did not include the Fourth Amendment in the Bill of Rights as a suggestion. 
That's Rand Paul on threatening to filibuster in the name of protecting Fourth, Amet- Fourth Amendment rights for Americans in terms of data collection. And if you don't know anything about Rand Paul and filibustering, well, Rand Paul supposedly, allegedly, according to the Washington Post at least, lays claim to the ninth longest filibuster in recorded history. Uh, this article states, quote, Paul stopped speaking around 12.40 a.m., just shy of the 13-hour mark, clocking in at 12 hours and 52 minutes. Now, that filibuster was back in 2013, and it was over delaying the vote on the confirmation of John Brennan as the CIA director and concerns about Obama... about. President Obama and his administration's policy on drones, and specifically drone strikes, over in the Middle East. Just to give you an inkling of Rand Paul's history in the Senate over the past couple years. Uh, Rand Paul, I definitely agree with him on the FISA issue uh, of this. Uh, definitely the, the, the data collection methodologies of the United States government is very telling, and it's very trying, and it's very questionable all across the board. Here's Justin Amash briefly on the failed proposal that he had. Thanks for having me on, Kennedy. So tell me, what's most troubling about you for, uh, what's the most troubling part about today's vote? Well, it's troubling that we have uh, people in leadership on both sides who mislead uh, members of Congress, mislead the American people about my amendment and about what the program does. Uh, You heard uh, Speaker Ryan talking about building walls and not allowing people to share information, and the amendment wouldn't do any of that. It would allow the government to go after foreign intelligence, to go after foreigners overseas, which is what FISA 702 is supposed to be about. But my amendment would protect the rights of the American people. It would require a warrant when you want to search on Americans, and that's what our Constitution requires. And something that I didn't touch on in the monologue, which is very important, are those backdoor searches that law enforcement can do without warrants. They can go in and seize any of the information that's been caught up uh, on Americans about perhaps a a foreign target, but then that information can be used in other law enforcement investigations. That will continue with the reauthorization, correct? Correct. So the government has a huge store and stores of our data, of American data that they've uh, swept in while they do conduct foreign surveillance. And the government says they want to just go be able to search that data without getting a warrant. And when you have searches on Americans, our Constitution requires that you get a warrant. It's pretty simple. You have to have probable cause and you have to have a particularized warrant. And they don't have that and they don't want to have that. So that's why they fought against my amendment and why they made up a lot of things, frankly, about what the amendment does. It'll be interesting to see what comes of that vote on the Senate floor and if Rand Paul actually filibusters with bipartisan support, much like he did the last time uh, he filibustered for nearly 13 hours. God, man, I'm ready for the weekend. I've been ready for the weekend since, I don't know, about... Sunday last week Sundays are my Mondays if if uh, if you don't know what I mean by that I start I start work on Sunday and I'm off Fridays and Saturdays so I am so glad that I'm on my Friday man uh, 
I don't have too many plans for the weekend. I'm getting I'm getting ready to go out to the store. I'm taking my CD collection in and getting it appraised and seeing if I can get some money off of it. Going to Second and Charles, uh, if you ever seen one of them around. It's like a used bookstore, used DVD, CD place. You can trade in your stuff, get money, or in-store credit. I'm going to see how much in-store credit I can get. Maybe turn my giant-ass CD collection that's outdated and I don't need anymore for uh, maybe some more Funko Pops or something. Who knows? But I don't even know how much money I'm going to get off of it. It's just, it's just it's time to declutter a little bit. And I've come to terms with the fact that the music I really love, I buy on vinyl record for collection purposes, and I listen to them anyway. And Apple Music kind of fills in the void. It has everything you could ever imagine on streaming and all that. Plus, I have everything. everything every CD I have is digitally backed up onto several different computers and hard drives. So it's not like I would be... It's not like I'm really losing the music. It was a high school fad thing. So that's what I'm going. That's what I'm getting ready to do. But Saturday is uh, Eagles playoff football, and it has been such an up and down year for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Carson Wentz standout, you know, top leading MVP candidate, uh, led quarterbacks in touchdown throws. Um, he was on the lower end of the spectrum for interceptions as well, and he just made crazy, crazy plays. Carson Wentz did. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles had uh, much adversity. Over the past uh, over the past season this year, a lot of key players going down uh, at inopportune moments, and yet somehow the Eagles trudged all the way up to being thirteen and three this this past season. Uh, they lost star left tackle Jason Peters, probably the best left tackle in the National Football League. Uh, and that's agreed upon by by not just Eagles fans, but ma- many people. He's been so I, I don't even remember how many times he's been to the Pro Bowl. Uh, Jason Peters went out, core piece of that offensive line, and somehow they they still managed to truck through without him. Uh, Darren Sproles, the the highlight key player, uh, key playmaker for explosive plays and and punt returns and kickoff returns. He went out, uh, kicker Caleb Sturgis, who, I mean, in my opinion, anyway, Caleb Sturgis wasn't crap anyway, but he went down. We found Jake Elliott, who is quickly becoming a superstar kicker. Uh, that worked out. <laughs> it all worked out. We're 13-3. and three. Uh, Now there's a lot of uh, crap talk going on. Well, I said shithole all the beginning of the episode, so there's a lot of shit talk going on between people about how it's done for the Eagles. There's no chance in hell that they could beat the Falcons. I don't know. I remain ever the cautious, optimistic person that, you know, this game could come down to a field goal and the Eagles could boot that field goal from 60 yards out with Jake Elliott, in my honest opinion. I'm just looking forward to the fact that I can sit down and watch it and not have to worry about work. That That is a, a lovely, a lovely thing. And if the Eagles, let's just, you know, let's put real talk here. If the Eagles don't win, if the Eagles lose it all, it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate that it went down that way. Uh, it's unfortunate that Carson Wentz injured his ACL after having such a stellar year in his sophomore year as the Eagles quarterback. But Carson Wentz is here to stay. He is the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, and there's a lot of promising things in the future for that. So if the Eagles bomb the 
playoff game against Atlanta this weekend, which I, I think people are underrating the Eagles. I think people are. I think people are putting too much credence in the past three games that happened, which all three of those games, all three of the games that happened uh, to finish off the season were relatively useless to the Eagles. Um, one of them was just literally for seeding in the playoffs. And through all that, the Eagles still hold home field advantage. So we win this game, and the NFC Championship game is being played in Philadelphia, which is a tremendous boost because the Eagles have played very, very strong at home this year. Uh, well, very strong in general. They only dropped three games. Um it's one of those things where so so much bad stuff has happened that you that you kind of want to root, even if you're not an Eagles fan, which I guess is a lot of people. A lot of people hate us, uh, not because they ain't us. They just they just hate us. It's it's the thing that people do. Um, I think there's a lot of people rooting for the Eagles simply because the underdog story in it. Like so many things going wrong, yet you still manage to power through. And get a thirteen and three record, like, what if you? What if they did go all the way? What a feel good story and all that. But it's also because the other contenders, like the Patriots, like the Falcons Patriots rematch in the Super Bowl. I don't think anybody wants that at all. I hated it when, look, when the Giants played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I was all for the Giants both times. All right, but the second time that the Giants faced off against the Patriots, I was like, really, this again? Who cares? And that's exactly how I'll be if the Super Bowl ends up being the Patriots and the Falcons. However, I don't I actually don't believe the Patriots are going to get in the Super Bowl this year. I don't. I think you still have a good to fair chance of the Philadelphia Bowl. That's right. The Steelers and the Eagles. Um everybody's talking about Minnesota because the Super Bowl's in Minnesota this year. Um, that, that's, that's a factor. I, I, I presume that it would be on their home turf, but you know, the, the, the Vikings have played well and they still, they, they still have a gun in this fight, but Drew Brees and the saints, uh, Drew Brees can just get deadly, especially at this time when, when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, some of the passes that you can watch him drop back and make are just insane. Um, and it's based a lot on just speed and knowing where his receivers are going to be. So, if the Eagles beat the Falcons, do I have a preference of whether they face the Saints or the Vikings? Uh, I'd probably rather them face the Vikings than the Saints. Um, And that's just probably because of past playoff history with Drew Brees versus the Eagles. They they lost in the playoffs to the Saints by a field goal uh, one year. And that, it it stung a little bit. And it still stings, and it kind of makes you go, oh, I don't want to face them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. If the Eagles don't make it, though, things are looking pretty bright for the Philadelphia Eagles' future. Um, They do need some upgrades. They do need to focus on some areas, but other areas, like their quarterback, they don't have to really worry about. So, yeah, it it wouldn't have been all for naught. It's not going to be a wasted season. It's just disappointing, that's all. Uh, That's it for me, guys, though. I hope you enjoy your weekend. I hope you got something out of today's episode, whether it was... New insight on FISA, a new appreciation for the Fourth Amendment protections and rights, 
Uh, a new hatred for our president, Donald Trump, who hates shithole people from shithole countries. I mean, that, wow, that's that's real professional. Uh, either way, uh, have have a nice, sane, safe weekend. Enjoy playoff football if that's your thing. If it's not, I don't know. Do whatever you do for the weekend. It is what it is. And I will catch you guys next week. Remember, I am on the blog at fritzcast.wordpress.com. I am on Twitter at FritzQS, which Twitter activity is up right now. I've gotten up in followers. I've gotten up in activity. It's great. So catch me on Twitter. Facebook.com slash the FritzCast. And as always, if you need to email me, it's FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com. That does it for me. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week.